Hi, Jamel is here. Justin. Yes, sir. Justin's here. Let's get this thing going. We had a pay-per-view last night. I want to hit on that a little bit, and then I want to get into Nitro and how it affected us. Monday Night Nitro. It was a show. Jamel was actually at the very last Monday Night Nitro, so I kind of want him to give us a little bit of that story. Along with just, you know, Justin was up there. One of the things they did was try to market to colleges. Justin was at Alabama when they were showing it in the student union area. I believe that's how that goes. And then you also had, you know, me, as I said last week, in a drunken stupor on my couch. But I did go to a Monday Night Nitro at one point, And it was during the One Warrior Nation era where he was magical. So, <laughs> huh? Destrucity. <laughs> yes, this ever want to do yourself a favor in this life, go find somewhere where you can read the Ultimate Warrior comic books that he put out. Because it will make you feel so much smarter about yourself. <laughs> it absolutely will. And we're going to dive into all of that after this. Welcome to Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. Here at Go Home Heat, our contributors focus on the stories and character arcs of the live action drama art form. An art form dating back to Zeus, featuring Lincoln and a bear and peeking with Robocop and Sting. In the words of Xavier Woods, the last form of theater in the round. And now, Go Home Heat. Okay, back. I did a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction show with Ray last night, but I did want to get y'all's take on the pay-per-view because I, I'm not going to tell you what we thought. Did you both get to watch it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I did. Yeah, you plan on going back and checking the rest out sometime? Yeah. What did you did you like what you saw, Jamil? I thought that the Bad Bunny match should have been it. I agree with Jamil. <laughs> I thought the Bad Bunny match should have been invented. I feel like Cody versus Brock Lesnar was rushed for some reason. Because um, the ending was just... Thank you. And if and if that was supposed to be the ending, then God bless us all. Um, okay, you didn't like that, the ending. You liked the rest of the match? The rest of the match was decent. You know, it was a... It was, it was what's what's to be expected Brock comes out or uh, Cody does the Cody does the Cody thing and then you know Brock does his John Moxley thing um, and then the ending <laughs> well tell me this see I thought Cody jumping him before the fight made sense I thought him trying to weaken him early made sense I thought Brock split his head wide open and well, first, what did you think about the match, Justin? I, I'm kind of with Jamil on this. I think it's a – again, I think the ending canceled a lot of the good that was before it. I thought you had something going here, and he gimmick beat Rock. Congratulations. I don't know what I'm – am I supposed to be cheering for this? Is this exciting? Is this my hero? That was a thing I saw online where, you know, he, he did have that cowboy line. I know a lot of cowboys, you know, Cowboy Brock. And then he rolls him up and runs for cover because his arm was hurt. Here's what I think is going on. And you may not like it, but here's what I think is going on. 
They need an excuse for Cody not to win the world title. His arm being jacked up is an excuse for him to either lose or him beating Brock in a roll-up is an excuse for Brock to show up and cost him that match. And then Oh, I think this is gonna ruin the next tournament too. That's great booking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't evidently hate it as much as you guys did. I thought it was pretty good. I didn't I didn't hate it, but I, I like I mean, it was a pretty telling point. From a match point, from a single match point, I didn't it would not bother me. But from a storytelling telling Cody's story, I didn't, it didn't help. It just, it. I felt like them not giving us a solid finish was them saying that this, this rivalry is going to go on up until money in the bank. A hundred percent. They're going to keep wrestling. And you, if you don't like that, then you don't like what happened last night. <laughs> right. Right. I get it. I totally get it. Now, bad bunny should have main evented. I agree. Ray said the same thing. The only thing I can think is when you're booking it, you don't know for sure that he's going to give you that performance because he's only wrestled once. You know what I'm saying? I knew knew that. I knew that because of the fact of the first time that he wrestled. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Bad Bunny to have wrestled the way that he did. The first time he wrestled, he looked like he belongs in WWE. Yeah. He looks like he, he looks like he loves it, and you could tell. I think you could tell he was going to put his best out there. And again, that crowd was probably one of the best crowds they've had. It's definitely the best crowd they probably had since the the pandemic. It, it, that was incredible. That, that one of the greatest crowds WWE's ever had. One of the greatest crowds I've seen in any sporting event. The way they treated Zelina Vega, yeah, was. I mean, if you did, if that didn't like, as uh, Bum Phillips said, if that didn't fire you up, your wood was wet. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just that was the thing, and she gave a good little performance. It was as good as she could do under the scenario. I thought, um, I, I liked, I loved that match. I loved the Seth match. The way if Omos hadn't kicked Seth in the head, they'd have gone 20 minutes with that crowd singing that song. Yeah. Which Dude, Seth Rollins got a match out of almost, man. Come on. A heck of a match out of almost. Right? Yeah, he did. Uh Jamil, what who else, else did has you other than AJ Styles? Huh? I said who else has other than AJ Styles? Right. Nobody. At some point, Seth gets to get into that company with AJ and Sean, right? Where you start going, yeah, you know, top five matches of this guy's career was him and Seth here and him and Seth there and top fat, top two matches of that guy's career is him and Seth here and him and Seth there. Some point you got to start saying, well, Seth's got something to do with all that. I, I put Seth in that ranking for a while now. He, yeah. he got, that's why they put him in the Logan Paul. You know, you put him in the match. The other, it's going to turn out. The, he's right. going to make. Well, he did that with the Miz on a, on a random Monday night, right? And the Miz is okay. He can wrestle. I, I like the Miz, yeah, but I like Miz. But he don't usually have that match. No, he doesn't. You know, um, no. yeah, every time. Now, what what were high points? Were there any low points for you other than the finish of the last match? Hmm. I mean, I knew I knew Zelina Vega wasn't beating uh, Rhea Ripley, but 
but that was kind of sort of a low point for me because of the yeah. building. The building, yeah. right, yeah. right. I thought though Rhea did a great job of making her look. Uh, the both champions did a good job of selling for their opponents. How how funny is it though, too? And I just thought about this the other night, and just think about how weird pro wrestling. Rhea Ripley is wrestling Zelina Vega. Who's Rhea Ripley dating? Buddy Matthews. Right. Who is married to? Definitely Alistair. Definitely Alistair Black. <laughs> well, I'm sorry about that. Fight ladies are fighting each other. Mm-hmm. And Dom, the Dom thing, because Dom, Alistair, and Buddy were all connected. They kind of helped Dom become a thing back. Remember when Seth was beaten to crap out of Dom with Buddy and Murphy and everything? And yeah. Yeah, it's all interwoven. It's all interwoven. Well, yeah, it's just weird how many of these people are, how these people are all connected. But I think they definitely put on a, a heck of a match. It was the David, it was the David Goliath match, and that's never a bad match if you do it right and you got two people who know their business. Right. You know? right. Zelina's gotten more heavyweight title shots since NXT than uh, Alistair. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. She's got more heavyweight title shots than uh, Xavier Woods in his whole career. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's true as well. <laughs> Damn it, son. Okay. I thought Io Shirai was a hero of the night. People I, love it, mate. Man, I'm back on my Io is the best wrestler in the world, and y'all just need to let her be that. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. And it's, uh, tell me this best women's match in WWE not involving a horsewoman that you can remember? Oh, I can go with that. I can go with that. It's up there. You know, it, it, one of the other ones would be EO in NXT against somebody, you know, if, no. if you're trying to just really try to figure it out. Okay. Now, so on. Uh, as a whole, you gave that show a B, you gave it an A, you gave it a D. A? I'm a I know maybe A minus, but still an A overall, because again, the crowd was so hot and I will I love watching everybody else be into it. It makes everything else flow better. Everybody tried to put on a great match, I think. I think yeah. everybody excited to be out there. So Cody is back to being a three star general. Yeah, but I'm not blaming Cody for this. I'm blaming I'm blaming whoever is, and, and that is hard for me. Right, you want to blame Cody. I want to blame Cody for this, but this ain't on Cody. It's definitely on booking. Yeah. Right, right. It, it, it's always on booking, right? <laughs> when I when I when when Io was in NXT and I said she was the best wrestler on the planet, and then she got to WWE and that was no longer true. Io didn't change. Io didn't change. The booking changed. <laughs> the amount of time she got in the ring. I hope that what happened leads to her getting freed from damage control. I think damage control with Dakota and Bailey alone is fine. I think that can be great. You can put tag team titles off of them. They can move in and out of different things. Io is a star. Let her be a star. When you saw her come out to her own music and the lights flashing, and I'm thinking about how they broke up the greatest team in the history of pro wrestling, Poppy, in Io Shirai, mm-hmm. I don't know what we're mm-hmm. doing here. If we don't get Poppy back at Mania this year for the rematch of Bianca and Io, 
Why are we even dog to her Jeff Jarrett? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Monday Night Raw was a thing. We were going to transition from there. Monday Night Raw was a thing. It came along. What's that? Night Raw. Thank you so much. Monday Night Raw came along first. And to me, Monday Night Raw did not change the dynamic of how you talked about pro wrestling in public. Not when it started, because it was still the same Saturday night main event formula. Right. Didn't get to ever see the big stars wrestle. Right. It wrestled a jobber, but you didn't see Undertaker wrestle on Saturday night main event hardly. No, he talked. Except for a two-second jobber match or something. Correct. And what you wound up having, to, to for me, I don't know about you, as a young man, you know, you're watching pro wrestling and all the kids talk about it. Like when I was a kid at, at, at over here in Cantonment, it was, you know, who was going to be Bob Armstrong. It, there were different things you would do on the playground. One day, who was Kirk? Who was Spock? One day, who was Batman? Who was Joker? One day, who was Bob Armstrong? Who was, you know, uh, the, st- the stud? You know, all that stuff, you know. And then, because we didn't have WWE down here. WCW was kind of not, not really. Cable wasn't around yet. Then as you got older, people just quit talking about wrestling in public, and you kind of had your friend here and there that you could talk to about it in my lifetime. And then when Raw came about, it was still just me and my one buddy that watched it while we watched Monday Night Football or Monday Night Football went on. That was it. Nitro came along, and it wasn't long after that. Everybody was talking about it out in the open. I had like three different jobs during that time period, and at all of them, People talked about it. It was on like at, at the bars I worked at. They would put it on when it wasn't football season. And that was crazy for it to become mainstream. And part of it was what you said. He gave you pay-per-view announcements for matches. It took a while for us to figure out they weren't really going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but how was it for you like – was it like how old were you when Nitro started coming on? And then when you transitioned into, was it similar the path of the show for y'all? I think so. What what year did Nitro start? Was that 90? I want to say 94, 95. 94, 95, yeah. I was in high school. And then it was still kind of NWA ish in the beginning. You know what I mean? It was still kind of. Uh, Still kind of southern wrestling. Right. And about when I got to high school two two years in, they kinda of, I think they kinda of found their foot footing after I got to college and it was just like it exploded. Man, everybody had an NWO shirt back in the day, dude. Everybody. So so I, so I did just look it up and um Monday Nitro's first show was at the Mall of America. Minneapolis, Minnesota, on September the fourth, nineteen ninety five. That was the, that's that's the only piece of it that I've looked up because I distinctively remember that show. What's crazy? Uh, the main event of that show was Sting versus Ric Flair, which is very apropos. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, perfect! That is what I wanted. And in the midst of that match. Hogan comes out, tries to help make the save for for Sting because the horsemen are out doing their thing. And then all of a sudden, you just hear the crowd just lose it because Lex Luger 
walks through on to Nitro. Did you know that Bischoff did not want to sign Luger? Sting had to talk him into it. Because mm-hmm. he was like, that dude sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the big pop. Wrong about his wrestling. But it's funny. As I watched, I, I kind of went through a bunch of Nitros prepping for this, right? And, um, and I also, full disclosure, I will put them on and go to sleep to them. They don't, they're not the kind of thing to keep you awake. You kind of know that nothing's really going to happen. And blah, blah. now you do, you know, in retrospect. And the jaded 2023 wrestling eye. Imagine if, if, if this all existed when they were doing those, those, those shows back then, but they were crazy. And the, the themes of Luger through the whole thing and how he would split from one side to the other and was, it stayed the entire time through the, through the Wolfpack, through, you know, all that stuff. Were they three hours from the jump? Go ahead. Go ahead, Jamel. No. So the first like two to three, I guess, seasons of it, they were only an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. They were only an hour because at the time, Raw was only two hours. Right. So they made it their business. They, They did something similar to AEW. They made it their business to not really compete as much with Raw. Mm-hmm. They were on the first hour of Raw. It switched over to Raw. That's right. Mm-hmm. Man, that, dude, you're bringing back memories, man. Yeah. Right, but the NWO is the huge thing, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And, and the lead into that is so weird because, like, you were talk- we were talking about the other day, you had that Dungeon of Doom thing, and then it it's so outdated, and you have Tugboat turning into a shark somehow, and and just so weird. And then all of a sudden, Scott Hall shows up, and then they do a little bit of a run into that. You know, Kevin Nash shows up. Then they promise there's a third guy, and who on earth could it be? And then we come back, and Hogan is in the crew, and suddenly the NWO is the coolest thing, not only in pro wrestling, just kind of the coolest thing. It was the thing, man. It was it. Right, and the cool bad guy, and of course Vince stole the idea and kind of ran with it with, go ahead. I was just going to say, man, not giving any credit to the Dungeon of Doom for their early preview of the Marvel Universe, the DC Universe, what they were going for. These guys were really putting themselves out there back in the <laughs> Kevin Sullivan, we appreciate Kevin you. Kevin Sullivan, man. Shout out to Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> The size of your eyes when you said shout out to Kevin Sullivan, Jamil. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if Kevin Sullivan had a sky beam, that stuff would have been like killer. Words I never thought I'd say in a row. Shout out to Kevin Sullivan. Same. <laughs> okay, so... Personal experience of, we've kind of set the table. Now, it gets crazy. We'll, we'll talk a little bit later about, like, other stuff. What was it like for you watching Raw? Where did you start watching Raw at, Jamil? Nitro or Raw? Nitro. So, so funny thing. So, the, the, the first episode of Monday Nitro happened on Labor Day, 1995. The first episode of Monday Nitro, um, I watched 
as I was bringing boxes into the house, moving from Atlanta, Georgia to Panama City, Florida. Oh, wow. We moved, we moved to Florida. I moved to Florida that day. Oh. Um, the cable and everything was already hooked up in the house because my because one of the reasons why we moved is because my mother started working for Comcast down in down in Panama City, Florida. Okay. So I put the boxes in, I set my television up, and I was like, oh, snap, uh, Nitro, let's go. And then that's how, I mean, that's what it was. Um, Round about how old were you? I was 14. I was oh. 14 going on 15. Okay. Yeah. So the um, the show you watched the last episode, you were how old? I was that was two thousand and one. I was twenty. And it was spring break, so I was twenty going on twenty one. Wow! Now, did yeah. you see any of the other spring break shows? Yes, I went to every last one. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. So, because my mom worked for Comcast, any type of event that went on in Panama City. Um, that was a thing that cable networks and pay-per-view networks do. They gave them free tickets. And so, my, and and so like it ever. I really was. I absolutely was. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, everybody in, everybody in the building knew I was a huge wrestling fan. And so it was, I got all the tickets. I always, I always got all the tickets. And the first spring breakout, I think I was a senior in high school, and it happened. It happened at this club in Panama City Beach called Club La Vida. Um, and the significant part about Club La Vida is they have a pool. They have like a pool island type of thing right in the middle of the club. Kevin's not familiar with Club La Vida. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, Club La Vida is Club La Vida itself is the spring break capital. Right. It was fun. Like it was just close. Um, and so WCW thought it was a smart idea for the first time that they do this spring breakout to put the ring in the middle of the pool. Right. Oh, and and also, um, shout out to Sting because Sting, they fly this helicopter, hover it over the ring. Sting only has one take to do this. Right. Locks the helicopter over the ring, and Sting does the Sting thing by hooking the thing and dropping out of the helicopter. Into yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh-uh. yeah. Like an army and ranger. And I yeah. feel like this was before Owen Hart. It was. So, yeah. Because, yeah. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Now you saw the Kevin Nash Jack Jackknife powerbomb, uh, Jackknife uh, into the pool. Mm-hmm. Ke- it was dude, <laughs> I remember, I remember Jericho telling the story like, dude, that's when you're over. When your wrestling segment, you do that, and everybody pops for it. Oh, also watch, watch the first time they did Spring Breakout. Mm-hmm. I forget like which I forget like which one that was. Watch the first time they do Spring Breakout. I was in that episode. Nice. Oh. Yeah. Because, the, you know, that was the Nitro Girls era. So right. the Nitro Girls used to pick random spots to just dance at. And because of the tickets that I had, I was in the VIP section 
Indeed. And they came and danced in the VIP section. And I get home and everybody's calling my mom because they was like, yo, like we just seen Jamil. Okay. Is it cool if we just switch over to talking about the last Nitro? Is that all right? Okay, dude. Yeah. So tell me this. You go to the last Nitro. Did you know it was going to be the last Nitro when you went? Yeah, because so, you know, the internet wasn't big at that time, but it was still a thing. Mm-hmm. And anybody who kept up with wrestling websites on, on the internet, we all woke up that morning to WCW has been bought by WWE for X. They bought it that day. Literally that day of the of the last nitro. And so I told my mom, my mom was like, man. And she handed me the tickets and she was like, so you're going to see history right now. And because I didn't think I was going until she handed me the tickets. Oh. So, yeah. So me and my me and my cousin got in the car. We drove to at that time for the last nitro, they didn't have that La Vila. They had it at Boardwalk Beach Resort. And we got there, and the way that we knew for sure this was going to be the last one, we got out of the car, and it was WWE trucks everywhere. Wow. And did you think Vince was there, or what? I did. I did <laughs> until he came up on the on the, the Nitrotron, and he was in Cleveland. And I was like, oh, so somebody else is here. Okay. Um, running the show tonight. Okay. And so... Hey, you knew it was the last Nitro because you pulled up and saw Jim Cornette like taking up like the chairs and stuff, putting his car and <laughs> merch. And that that would have been it for me as well. Got out and we saw WWE trucks, and I was just like, "Oh, that's amazing!" They were already there. Mm-hmm. Now, did and you so- did you see the on the TV screens? Did you see the vids I bought my competition at the beginning of the show? Everything came up on the Nitrotron. Everything that you everything that you all saw on television came up on the Nitrotron. So the very first thing that we see is Vance on the Nitrotron saying he bought his he bought his competition. Now what about the end? Because, because at the end of the show, he does this huge soliloquy in the ring by himself, and he taught. And it, it's it's classic Vince, where at the end his son comes in and kind of makes him look like a buffoon, but he yeah. gives himself twenty minutes to tell everybody how great he is first. And the reality is, his son didn't really buy it. So he, everything he says is coming from the heart mm-hmm. about how nobody can compete with him, and he'll always win. It was so classic Vince. You, he managed to put himself in there. Double double audiences, so he's probably got six million people watching, and he's making out with uh-huh. Trish Stratus on the show. Uh, classic Vince. He talks about how he's going to have his daughter, his wife, and his mistress all at the match where he's beating up his son. You can do with that whatever you want, as far as like where yeah. what his mental state is and what that says about the human being he is. <laughs> yeah, literally. But no, like that. That was on the Nitrotron as well. Like Vince trots out, and we're all there. We're all there in Panama City Beach, and we all just looking at this, and we're just like, "This is unreal. Like this is actually happening." And Vince goes into his whole little tirade. Oh, all the things that y'all saw on on Raw, 
when he was sitting in his little locker room and he was going through, oh, I'm getting rid of that guy. <laughs> everything. Like, I'm everything that was on television was on that Nitro show. Uh, like, oh, he's not hiring. He's, he's definitely not hiring Jeff Jarrett. Right. He's going to get rid of Jeff Jarrett. Let's be honest about that decision. That's <laughs> the only Vince decision I agree with. <laughs> Best decision Vince has ever made in life. There needs to be a word above pompous for Vince. <laughs> and the reason I brought up the fact that on the first Nitro, the main event was Steam versus Ric Flair, because that was literally the main event for the last Nitro, and everybody in the crowd was in tears. When that when that match ended, everybody. There was not a dry eye in the house. Wow. We all knew this was it. Right. Like, we knew. Like, there was something deep in my soul that told me Vince is going to screw this up. And I was right. I was just like, yeah. it. You knew as soon as he didn't have competition, he was going to go into this rinse repeat pattern mm-hmm. over and over and over again, which unfortunately is what we've had for what, 15, 17 years? Yeah. He almost. And look at the crowd size. Look at the the market share wrestling had at the last Nitro. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know it was going to be that bad, though. Like the that the as bad as he screwed it up, and it kind of also wasn't his fault because most of the big stars had guaranteed contracts, right? So for that first year, year and a right. half, they could just sit home, right? And, and Sting and Sting waited a decade and something. Before he yeah. gave Vince a shot at anything. But if I was Sting, I would have too. You know? Yeah, because, no, because Sting knew. Sting knew, like, hey, like, if I go, they're going to do me the same way they did Goldberg. They're going to do me the same way they did the NWO. They're going to do me the same way they did Booker. He was like, I'm not. And, and, and waiting a decade, he comes in and they do him the exact fight. <laughs> he should have beat Triple H at WrestleMania. Thank you. Okay, well, Thank- Vince is petty. I un- there, I- there should be a word for Vince bigger than pompous. There should be a word bigger than petty. The level that he will cut his own throat. He will put money in a burning dumpster okay. rather than, than make money off of somebody he doesn't want to have any sort of, like He would rather choke out somebody's career and cost himself money than let somebody be over that he doesn't want over. I will say this, though. If Sting comes in a decade earlier, he jobs out to Undertaker at WrestleMania. At WrestleMania, he does. Without the yeah. NWO and DX involved, instead of we're, we're loosely telling the story of WWE versus WCW in this weird thing. You know what I mean? We could have at least gotten Taker, Sting, and the Perfect. interests alone would have been gold. And that would have been the main event of the. That would have been the main event of WrestleMania, whatever year Sting comes in. Like, don't absolve Steve Borden. But and don't and, and there would there would be no shame in losing to the Undertaker at WrestleMania, right? At all. Same at thing. All. It's, it's better. It's better than losing to an aging Triple H, and then your old buddies come out and and relive this weird, pompous, arrogant telling of the Monday Night War. 
Well, I digress. Like, you know. <laughs> Dude, they was out there breaking necks and popping hamstrings. <laughs> yes. And the broken hamstring right there. I mean, he literally, I was like, again, Kevin. <laughs> they couldn't get you a separate ramp without an incline? They didn't know? <laughs> No, I should have said, look, guys, I can't walk down hills. You said the feeling was sadness at the end there of that match. Was it still kind of a party atmosphere, though? It is La Vila. No, because the thing about it is everybody was there. Everybody who's there is there. Um, they're there for Nitro. Because, you know, by that, by that time, wrestling kind of had lost its mainstream crossover appeal and it kind of just went back because this was this was 2000 2021 i mean 2000 2001 so it kind of lost its mainstream crossover appeal so the people that's in the room the people that and it didn't happen in a room it literally happened out it still happened outside right Mm -hmm. people that's outside are there for rest like they're there for rest like you got like maybe a couple of few because it still happened during spring break Right. So you still got like a couple of few that was there because it's spring break, but the majority of the people that's there, they're there because they're there for Nitro. And nobody, everybody was shocked. Like, me and my cousin, we got out of the car, and we didn't know that another one of our cousins had bought tickets to that Nitro. So we saw him, and we were like, we were like, oh, hey, I, you know, all the things and then we saw a bunch of our other friends and then all of us looked up and we saw the WWE production truck and my cousin was like the the cousin who bought the tickets he was like what is WWE doing here I was like y'all didn't I was like y'all don't know and they were like nah like we not really on the internet that hard like you are Jamil and they was I was like yo like they just bought WCW today and everybody Mm -hmm. was like Everybody was like, storyline? I was like, no, like, facts. Like, <laughs> they, bought, they bought WCW. Everybody was just like in dismay. And so we walk in, and there are like other fans and whatnot who knew. And everybody was just like, everybody was like, what do you think Vince is going to do? And I told them, I was like, I, I said, even if Vince splits this up and makes it like another promotion of its own, Vince is gonna screw this up. Vince is gonna drag this all the way up. Here's a here's a weird question. Do you remember when uh, everybody does? Of course you do. Triple H, DX invades with the with the uh, the the jeep with the cannon on it. They come rolling yes. down. It kind of made WCW kind of look weak. Mm-hmm. And I've heard discussion. They have specific conversations between themselves about what would happen if that door opened. And, you know, there were people on the other side of it. The agreement was pretty much, you know, we'll just tie it up with somebody. Unless there was a, there was a guy in the locker room for, for Nitro at that point. Who they, if that door had opened and that guy had been there, they were not going to stay. If Ming comes out that door and all yeah, the we- guys- do what exactly what they would have done, which is Triple H and Sean go running up the the ramp there. Sean Wallman, not Sean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Does that kind of change the story? Does that, I mean, you have a moment there where it looks like WWE came in there and punked you out. Mm-hmm. That was one of those little flip overs. Do you have a little bit of, like, you had a moment there. If you so, come out in front of them, old school style. So, shout out to Eric Bischoff and Kevin Nash. Because... WWE used to do this show on USA called WWE Confidential. And one yes. of the things that and one of the things that Confidential covered on the show was was this actual incident. They covered this oh. on the show. Um because you know Confidential was kind of like their um end of investigation. 2020. Mm-hmm. And so um they interviewed Bischoff and Bischoff said um, and they also put this same interview on the rise and fall of WCW DVD. Um, Bischoff says the only regret I ever have being the producer for, for Nitro was not opening that door when DX comes to the Norfolk scope. Because if I would have opened that door, I would have just let them come in and they would have came in on our show and they would have came in on our show and our ratings would have went up. Right. That would have been great. But here's the thing, though. I don't know. I don't believe that, you know, the finger poke could do We can go through all of those moments in time where they made a bad decision. Bad decision. The, the finger oh, poke could do also before, also, before that, Nash, on his podcast, said on his podcast, the, the, the day that, he was like, the day that Hunter and them shows up with the tank, we went to Bischoff and we told Bischoff, open the damn door. We said to Bischoff, open the door. Right. Because if you open the door, our ratings go up because the competition shows up on our show. So right. I said, open the door. Let right. them come in. Right. And, and and DX would have been in breach of contract with WWE. <laughs> Unwittingly. Unwittingly. Right now, I do think though you can take all of those little moments in time, announcing that, announcing that uh, Foley's going to win the title oh, on your show. Sense. All those little things that happen, I think they're all important. Hiring the the Russo hiring and then turning around and bringing in Bischoff, try to work with him, and then Russo quitting, and then Russo coming back, all in like a month and a half, three month time period. You can a take all of that. Like, a part of me feels like Russo was a moment. Right. I get it, but I think he was just uh I think he was just like really unable to focus. And when he was in WWE, he was he was the guy, but he was the guy with Cornette and Vince and Pritchard and he had and he had like I'm working one on one with Stone Cold. Well, Stone Cold was able to go, well, that's not really what my character does. I'll do this, and then Russo backs off. He didn't have that WCW. Mm-mm. And then when somebody did tell him no, he became this petulant child. And even though Hogan may have been wrong by telling him no at the pay-per-view that we all mm-hmm. remember, and, and, and it, thank God for that moment in a way because Booker T gets to be the champion and, and that opens mm-hmm. up a door for him to be the champion whenever. And as much as I, you know, I can agree to some degree about – what happens to WCW once it becomes part of WWE? Booker T having that belt on him when he enters 
WWE allows for very good television and allows for Booker T to be this huge character that, I mean, he's a top, you know, he's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Uh It probably doesn't get to be that without Hogan and Russo pitching a hitsy fit with each other. But that being said, Russo pitched a hissy fit and he did it on television and he became, you had, I don't know. He just wasn't controllable. I I don't think, I I don't think he had to be a mold to be, uh, to be unable to control his own emotions at that time. Now that being, that being said, Bischoff has said recently that none of that mattered, that time Warner was sold and that the people that got control, he said, I walked into a boardroom and nobody there was a wrestling knew anything about pro wrestling at all. He knew it was done. He, he knew in that moment, nothing else mattered. He almost quit right there, but he was, I mean, obviously he was getting paid a lot. I think he had a different excuse, but I'm going to make this excuse. Checks matter. Yeah. right right and so he said i knew we were done right then and i think that 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 is that that is what killed him eventually is that there was nobody above the people who were managing the shows weren't wrestling people Uh -uh. and i think that really hurt him because it turned into how do we sell mattel which is what what happened with vince eventually vince separated himself from a wrestling person in some ways and became how do I sell merch? How do I sell? And that that's not how you tell stories. No. Nope. You know, it's why I Cena know. God loves Cena, but it's why he was the champ forever. You know, mm-hmm. because hey, he he sells toys. Great. It's it's, it's why Rome it's why Roman is the champ now. Right. And maybe the champ till 2024. Mm-hmm. It's why they had to create they had to create they literally had to create another belt, just like with Cena, because they can't take the belt off that. And to Roman's, uh, to WWE's point, Roman hasn't been on SmackDown. The ratings have gone down. It's real simple. When that dude's on TV, two million people watch the show. When he's not, two million people don't. No, 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 no. I'm not going to give you that. I think Roman's a big part of it. But the belt isn't on the show. The champ isn't on the show. So what the hell is the point of the show? You, it doesn't matter. The same thing happened when you had the belt on Brock Lesnar and he wasn't showing up for one month. You know the show doesn't matter. The champ's not there. What's the point of the show? That time, that time period where that time period where CM Punk is the champ for 434 days and then he loses it to Rock and then it's Rock and Cena at WrestleMania, but Rock's not on the show with the belt. Raw's yeah. ratings went down. Okay. Okay. We'll agree to disagree on that. That's fair. <laughs> okay. Now let's move into back into Justin. What was it like at Alabama watching Monday Night Nitro? It was crazy. It was a lot of fun. Uh it was it was surprising how big of a wrestling community at, at that time and how over it was. Like it they had a full movie theater there at the student union where they would show, you know, you get to watch movies and everything when they show movies, but every pay-per-view WCW or WWE was on screens over there. So if you're a college kid, man, you don't got money to go. I didn't have money for a pay-per-view. So the opportunity to go watch it. And then they had everybody there. Everybody got food. 
Everybody hung out for like an hour before and an hour after. It was just a whole community. And then they would show Nitro, and, and it depended. Sometimes they'd show Nitro, sometimes they'd show Raw. It wasn't always they'd show the weekly events, but they had the opening and the schedule. they showed the weekly stuff. But you always got your pay-per-views. It was just such a cool community yeah. that you had going for a fun little time where a lot of different people from a lot of different groups got together and just enjoyed. And everybody, you know, it was a lot like going to watch a Rocky, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. You know, a lot of callbacks. Right. Well, it's also or, and or a live event, right? Yeah, dude. That's the beautiful thing. When you go to a lot, you can think, oh, my God, the only people that watch wrestling, especially like now or pre these times we're talking about, oh, my God, nobody really watches wrestling. Now we know more because the Internet gives us access to more people. But when you go to a show, you realize how many different kinds of people are watching pro wrestling and enjoying it, you know? And it's like you said, Nitro Mark, Nitro marketed itself for these institutions of higher learning. They said, hey, if your college is showing this, let us know. We'll come have a party at your college campus, which I'm sure was a shit show. When you have these fraternity boys wasted and you have the Nitro girls dancing around the halls, I'm sure security, they probably showed up with like 10 wrestlers that weren't wrestlers, but from the power plant just to make sure safety. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nobody drink anything in the house. Only drink the water from our bus, you know, that kind of thing. But it not that I don't trust humanity. Always keep an eye on humanity. <laughs> exactly. But, dude, they did. And it was funny because nowadays you would WWE and, and uh, to some degree AEW, they hope you all watch it at your own house alone because they want every single view. And back then, so many people were watching it. They wanted you to get together with 10, 20 people and watch it, maybe 100 people and watch it, yeah. 1,000 people and watch it if you could do it. And, like, every week you'd have, like, every time there's a pay-per-view, they'd fill that thing up. It had to be 400 or 500 people in there. Every time. Right. And you had people wandering around, standing in the aisles. It wasn't like, it's was probably more than that. And everybody, it was it was just fun. It was such a cool atmosphere. It's probably something that'll never happen again. So it was cool to kind of. Yeah. yeah no, that never happens again. No, Nobody ever. Well, you know what? Nothing's ever going to be mainstream. Again, everything mm -hmm. is niche now. Like the NFL is a niche now. I mean, it's a big old niche, but, yeah. but you know, kids today ain't growing up talking about, hey, man, I got to be somewhere for the Cowboy game. They don't care. Mm -hmm. Kids today are going to play video games instead or get online and talk to each other. And that's good. You know, by the way, yeah. there's nothing wrong with every single person never having to conform to anything and just being able to pick what they like and riding with it. That's freaking awesome, right? Dudes, this has been spectacular. Thank you so much. Brought back some great memories. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jamel, tell people where they can find you. Um, Once again, you can find me at Jamal Steele, J-A-M-A-L-S-T-E-E-L-E, because, you know, I occasionally do this rapping thing sometimes. Um, That's both on IG and Twitter. Now you're going to be doing. You're trying to figure out a way to do some actual uh, weekly or monthly shows in the Jacksonville area. Um, yeah, I, def I definitely. I live in Jacksonville now. Um, 
we're currently finding a venue for us to do like um, bi-monthly or quarterly hip hop events. Um, where not only we can bring in local Jacksonville hip hop talent, but also like regional, um, regional indie touring talent that's, you know, doing their thing. So, um, once we get that pop and, you know, I make, I make announcements about it and all the great stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Justin, nobody can go ahead. One thing quick. When you were in all your nitros, did you ever get to see and hang out with the insane clown posse? Once. Wow. <laughs> what about what about Master P? Nah. <laughs> oh, remember because he had the uh, he had his whole soldier crew with him, right? Now, now by that time, they had stopped doing spring breakout shows at Panama City Beach. Um, but I don't know why they just randomly decided to do another one in 2001. And didn't realize that was going to be the last, the, the last one or Dude, the last night ever. It so, was yeah. so great, too, because the only thing I found not offensive in Vince's whole soliloquies was the whole, can you believe they're doing that in some redneck bar spear swill place and then a panhandle? Oh, and I was just like, yeah, baby, the redneck <laughs> Riviera. <laughs> <laughs> Champagne lifestyle, beer budget, fool. <laughs> oh, Justin, nobody can find you anywhere, right? No, no. Don't, like. don't even look. Okay, good deal. <laughs> you can find me here. You can find me at Surrounded by Sports. You can find me at Marketable Sports. You can find me at where I work, Sideline Sports Bar in Pensacola Beach. Anywhere, I always want to talk wrestling. At Go Home Heat One is an easy place to look us up on Twitter, like, subscribe, all that cool stuff, and let me know what you think. And folks, Justin, go home. Awesome. Appreciate y'all, man. Y'all have a great day. <laughs> <laughs>